Hello and welcome to Sound Up, a Seattle variety sports podcast with your hosts, Tyler and, and John, your buddy John. <laughs> we are here today um, for our second show. Congratulations to us. Yeah. We're doing great work out here. I hear the first one's always the hardest. <laughs> it's all downhill from there. And I feel it. I feel a looseness, a looseness in the air. We're just, we're getting better with age, you know? <laughs> Um, today we have a few things to talk about. Um, we've already talked about this, but we figured we might as well attack this in the second episode, but the Seahawks draft, how's it looking? Kind of what should they be doing as well as Geno Smith just won comeback player of the year. Um, so that was, that was some big news in the Seahawks front. Good for, good for us to get going on that. Um, we have also watched a Kraken game for the first time. So we'll give you our input on that, how we felt about that experience. Um, touch on the Mariners. Touch on some uh, college basketball, um, and then John, I know you want to talk about it, so I'll let you kind of just like set the stage. Yeah, well, you know, there have just been some fun moves with some former Supersonics, you know, and as Seattle Sports Podcast, we wouldn't be doing our job if we weren't keeping our viewers updated in the latest Supersonics talk. <laughs> so that's the only tease I'm going to give you, but some really good Supersonics coming up later in the conversation. And as you said... At local time is 10 p.m. Friday night. Thursday this, night. It's a Thursday, buddy. Oh, my goodness. It feels like a Friday. <laughs> we are three days removed from the Super Bowl. Uh, so we figured, what better time to talk about the Seattle Seahawks upcoming draft? Because what else is there to talk about in professional football? Uh, and we've kind of, you and me have had an ongoing banter on the subject of the Seahawks draft and what they need out of it. And... Whether they need to potentially look at a quarterback or whether they need to, you know, put more into the offense or whether it's time to start rebuilding that stellar Seattle defense that's been the cornerstone of this franchise for so long. So, Tyler, why don't you just step in and, and, and plant your flag? What corner do you stand on? They have got the number four pick coming to them from the Denver Broncos. What should number you do five, with Number five. Ooh, number five. I apologize. Um, Yeah, I think they are in desperate need of an impact defensive player. Whether that's a are you, safety or like a linebacker, I think I think I just don't think they need to build around the edges, the fringes. They've got good cornerbacks in Tariq Woolen, um, and whoever else I'm forgetting about right now because it's ten PM on a Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> um but they're, they've just got a really solid foundation around the outsides, especially on offense. They've got DK. They've got Tyler Lockett. And we've Lockett's talked about this. Older. Lockett, Lockett is getting older, but I think he'll last one more year before they can do that. Also, wide receivers, you can draft them in any round. I feel like the big impact players... Um, defensively. Come, def- especially defensively, yeah. Like a, like a defensive tackle would be big. Um, a lot of talk about Jalen Carter is going to be, I think he's the one out of Georgia that we watched in that. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. If he was the one out of Georgia, that guy was a monster. Yeah. He needs to go very, if he drops to five, five, it would be a shame not to get him. But just one quick point on what you're saying. You know, you look at the top stars at every position in the NFL and, you know, wide receivers, the top stars are wide receivers that were drafted early, you know. Justin Jefferson would win number 10 overall, I believe, to the Vikings. And he's like kind of the low end. Um, but to your point, I feel like it's way more common to have offensive stars that came in a little lower. 
I feel like every defensive star in the NFL was like a top five pick. Yeah. For whatever reason, that just seems to translate so much more directly from the college game, where you can really look at and pinpoint which of these guys are going to be real difference makers at the pro level. I would agree. You see, I believe it was, was it Nick Bosa, the, the 49ers player, um, that Two, just, just won the Defensive Player of the Year? For the second or third time? I can't remember. He's won it before. Yeah, yeah. And you just you just see over and over again these top draft picks yeah, that are defensive players. Yeah, he number two or three overall. Yeah, well, and like Kayvon Thibodeau for the Giants was huge out of Oregon. Um, and he went kind of later for a defensive player. But really, those higher draft picks are huge in terms of getting a good... Absolutely. cornerstone defensive player. Yeah, and Thibodeau was a little late because of injuries and character concerns, but there was no doubt about the talent. And yeah. Once again, the talent shines through. You know who else? There was big doubt about the ta- or about the character coming in. Ndamukong Sue. Guess what? It didn't matter. The guy was a, a seven-time All-Pro player. And he's playing in the Super Bowl this he's week. He's playing in the Super Bowl again. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you can pinpoint talent at the defensive position, it really seems to especially along the line. If you can look at a guy like Jalen Carter, and I don't think there are any concerns about his character. He seems like a great guy and a monster player. Yep. If he drops to five, I'd be shocked. But if he drops to five, Seattle would be disrespectful enough. <laughs> he's, he's that talented. I, I agree. The other thing that we talked about um, and has been a huge talk or kind of talk amongst the Seahawks community is uh, getting offensive linemen, which offensive linemen are... Easier to come by in the later rounds. Um, obviously, a great offensive lineman is really tough to pinpoint exactly who they're going to be long term because unless they're Quentin Nelson and you're like, oh, that guy's huge. <laughs> but yeah, you get it's it's tougher to pinpoint the longevity of an of an offensive lineman just yes. because of the their jobs, you know what they do. Um, but an offensive lineman would be a good second round pick for them. And there's like a lot of the talk is just about building around the base of the team, and that's that's in the line. Totally. And I feel like the offensive line, so important, so often forgotten about. There's nothing wrong with spending the 15th overall pick on an offensive lineman. That, that's a smart investment if you're sure about the guy. Um, five's too high. Yeah. It's just too high of a pick. If you want to trade down, that's fine. But if you're at five, you have to be... I think you basically have to look at a defensive lineman, a monster wide receiver, tight end, or a quarterback. If you're looking outside of those positions, you better be damn sure. And we, we see it all the time. Don't draft a running back in the top five. Sorry, Saquon. <laughs> um, I feel like, yeah, their cornerbacks are too flighty. It's it's just better to go with what you're sure about. Mm-hmm. And offensive line's huge, but another thing about offensive linemen is one guy doesn't do the trick. It doesn't matter if you have one stud and four, you know, squibs. You need a unit. So, you know, don't spend your number five pick and then just a bunch of scrubs out there. You know, spend some late first round, second round, like you're saying, third round draft capital on those guys and build a unit. So, yeah, the other thing yeah, I'm with you there. The other thing that John and I have discussed is uh, C.J. Stroud from huh. Ohio State. Please. Um, and this is. One one way that they could go is if a team wants to trade up for C.J. Stroud, like if if you know some team totally. really needs a quarterback, and obviously what's his name Bryce Young from Alabama Correct. is probably going to go first. Agreed. Um, but C.J. Stroud's next up, and if a team really wants a quarterback and thinks that they can't get him where they're at, it'd be a really nice opportunity to trade down, maybe get a couple more of their picks. From everything I've heard, it's a 
a two-quarterback draft at the top. And people are favoring Bryce Young. And there's nothing like that. He's a great player. But it's very much him and CJ. And then there's a drop-off and there's everyone else. So teams that want a quarterback are going to be aggressive to get one of those two guys. Um, Yeah, that that would be very interesting. Just a thought. You know, we've talked about this before. Everyone loves Geno. We all love Geno. Nobody in this room doesn't love Geno. Please... Of Don't, the two people in this room. <laughs> yes. Do not light your torches. Leave those pitchforks in the corner. But the idea of drafting a really good young quarterback is appealing for a couple reasons. It's not just because that quarterback has the potential to have a higher ceiling than Gino, which is probably true. But also, Gino is in line. We were just talking about it. He'll probably be getting a two- to four-year contract worth something like $30 million a year. If you sign a rookie quarterback, you will be paying that rookie quarterback significantly less than $30 million a year, which frees up that money to go to things like defense or an offensive line. All fun concepts that are so important to a winning team. It's not a surprise that the two NFC representatives in the NFC Championship game both featured quarterbacks that were on cheap deals. It frees up so much flexibility for your roster. Mm-hmm. And to expand on that, three, three of the four, you know, Patrick Mahomes is making a ton of money, but three of the four final four teams had relatively cheap quarterbacks. Joe Burrow's not the cheapest, but he's only making $9 million a year. Yeah, well, yeah, he's not making, Mahomes is making like 50 yeah. or something. Yeah, <laughs> It's all on a moving scale, and you're right. All three of those guys are on their entry-level salaries. Obviously, uh, Purdy... I think they gave him a baguette and a, <laughs> a cold cold glass of water to play in that game. I don't know. That guy's not getting compensated properly. But, yeah, it's not a surprise. You're right. There's a reason that these teams with young quarterbacks seem to keep pushing further into the playoffs, and it's not always just about the quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we're on the same page with that. It would be nice to get C.J. Stroud. Um, it's just a, it's a tough... Tough place to be because you know you could probably get more picks. And the Seahawks, I don't think, are in a position to like go all in. But maybe maybe they do pick CJ Stroud, give him a year to develop. But I feel like having that base around him with the, with a better yeah. offensive and defensive line and just a better all around system would be a the right way to go. For that reason, I might say that if they can't get Jalen Carter out of Georgia um, or another guy that they look as a number one defensive stud. All chips on this guy. We're sure this is going to work. Maybe trading back is the move. People are always trying to move up. It is never hard to move back in the NFL draft. Um, Maybe, you know, it's certainly not the sexiest option, but it may be the most effective one. If you can turn the number five overall pick into the number 15 overall pick and a high second round pick, for this Hawks team, maybe that is the right move. Yeah, sometimes sometimes throwing more picks at a wall and hoping one of them sticks is better than throwing one and pushing your cards in on all or going all in on one guy. Um, that's kind of all we had to talk about about the draft. We've talked about it a lot, so John and I are kind of uh, kind of beating the bush at this point in our conversation. But we just wanted to clue <laughs> you guys in to all of our great great thoughts. Yeah, you know we're we're professionals in this. So <laughs> also for those wondering. Kansas City's playing Philadelphia this weekend. Good luck to both parties. I don't I don't I don't have anything to say. <laughs> we talked about Joe Burrow last time. 
yeah. the people know where I stand. I think, I think we're still of the opinion that Philadelphia is going to win. It, in my mind, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, ah, Patrick Mahomes is on the Kansas City Chiefs. They have a shot. But I do lean the Eagles. That makes one of us. Liquidate your assets, people. Take out that second mortgage on your home. This is the way to get it all back. <laughs> He's talking about himself personally. <laughs> if I had a home, I would take out a second mortgage on it. They're not giving me an advance on my rent, unfortunately. <laughs> and that, that Nutter Butter, that nutter butter uh, commission hasn't come in yet. So it is what it is. We'll get there. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on with the Seahawks, and I briefly talked about it, but Geno Smith won Comeback Player of the Year. That's um, great. God, I fucking love Geno, man. What just a, great, a great guy, great story. Great guy and a great player. I have nothing nothing but respect for Geno. Yeah. I, I If he doesn't make his get his bag with the Seahawks, I hope he gets his bag somewhere else. Agreed. Um, I hope but he I, gets... I do, I do think that the Seahawks are in, in deep talks about finishing up and solidifying that contract. So. Yes. I think he'll get the deal. I would just... Gino's great. He had a great year. Great year. Please do not give him a contract four or more years. That's all I'm asking. He had one really good year, and he deserves a contract for it. We love him. We want him here. Two to three years. Please, Pete, hear me. <laughs> Pete Carroll, the guy making all the monetary decisions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please, not more two or three years. It's just, I just think that's the most reasonable decision. Yeah. I would, I would agree. I'm, I'm in agreement on a Geno Smith But congratulations to signing. Gino. That's a great award and well-deserved. It's been quite a journey, and he's playing great football. Yeah, yep. Um, next, you guys are going to be so proud of us. We watched a Kraken game. Wow. I had no idea they were on skates. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I thought it was more like handball. Yeah, that was something. That was something special. Um, we watched... They just... Lost a game to the uh, New Jersey Devils, I believe. Mm, three um, to one. Three to one. It was the the third goal by the Devils was uh, yeah what are a, we talking a late about? like it was an open goal. Open goal. They were trying to you know the Kraken were trying to they had their goalie out and they were trying to come back. So obviously it was a two one game. Mm-hmm. What's frustrating is we were up one zero. We were talking about this earlier. Our defense is fine, and New Jersey is a very good team. They're they're third in the league. Right third now. in the league, yeah. They're like thirty three and fourteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they looked very sharp offensively. And man, alive! Their goalie Blackwood, can't remember his first name. Julian, Julian Blackwood. I don't want to say Marcus or the McKenzie. Yeah, I think it was Mackenzie Blackwood. Anyway, he was a monster. He had thirty four saves at the end of the game. Is what they Whew, said. Goodness. It was crazy. Um, he had one. God, we're just gonna. We might actually just kind of enjoy the cracking games now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a novel idea. <laughs> he had one save where one of the Kraken players was standing right in front of his face. Yes. And a shot was going to his left, and he couldn't see it, but he just like stuck his glove out and, and just caught it. And just caught it. Didn't even deflect it. Yeah. Just caught it. That's some. That's some Jedi shit right there. That's what I love to see. It was. It was impressive. Um, the other thing that John and I were commenting on was. Uh, the Kraken offense did not look very good. Like their shot, I guess their shot development wasn't as as good as we thought it was for a team with such high, you know, they're, they're I think it was first in the Pacific Division. Um, and it just didn't seem like they got very good shots. Yeah, and I was listening to a video today and I thought it made some very good points. Shout out to this video. I'm not going to be able to give you a link. Sorry, sorry, dude. <laughs> I appreciated it. 
Um, and he was referencing that the fact that the Kraken are an expansion team gives them one decided advantage and one decided disadvantage. And that is that with the way expansion drafts work, teams are basically able to p- protect a certain number of players on their roster. And then Seattle gets to go through in a kind of a draft format and pick players. What that means is their first line or their you know, best offensive players are not on par with the best offensive players in the league. They're just a little less top heavy because those players were protected by their teams. On the other hand, you know, we're able to go through and pick a lot of, you know, second or third tier players to add to our second, third, and fourth lines. And because of that, our offense is a lot deeper than a lot of teams have. So it's kind of this interesting balance of when you really want that top end talent, we're not necessarily putting it out on the ice, but it's very comforting to know that when the second, third, fourth lines come in, we can still feel confident that they're going to hold their own. Mm-hmm. Obviously not today, but <laughs> it, you don't win every game. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, so we were talking about Maddie Beneers on our last last episode, um, and we didn't know this. I, you know, the, the way that hockey worked was not not brought upon me until after we, <laughs> we, made, that, <laughs> we had made that episode. But uh, Beneers is our, our center of our second line. Um, which the way we talked about him, it would have sounded like he was our best player by far. But he's a rookie. He's in, he's in our second line. Our, the way the lines work is there's four lines typically um, an offense or a team will put out, and there are three sets or there are four sets of three players. And so there's your first line, which is basically your center, right wing, and left wing, and those are your your three attackers. And so Matty Veneers is the center of our second line. Which is still good. He's a rookie. He's doing well. Yeah. But and that, we were yeah. talking about him like he's our best player. And we can take that back a little bit. He's playing very well. But even... And he may not be our best player, but he could easily be our second or yeah. third best player just because he's not on the front line. The fact that he's center on our second yeah. line, you know, the center is kind of the position of trust. It's kind of facilitator. It's not a great analogy of point guard, but it's kind of that idea of it's... The center's connecting the left and right wings on these attacks. I would relate him more of like a, like a midfielder in soccer. That's probably a way, way better analogy. And if I watched more soccer, I could agree with that. <laughs> um, but the fact that he's, you know, as a rookie, the center on our second line, I do think that's a testament to his talent. And I would not be surprised at all. I don't think you would either if he is the center of our first line in a year, two years, three years. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like I said, I'm not commenting on the fact that he's not skilled we we both agree that he's a he's a good player but we were talking about him as if he was the reincarnation of our lord and savior (laughs) um one more note that that i had from the game was it seemed like the devils were scoring not were scoring they scored their two goals during power plays correct they were on the power play all game yeah yeah and that was and i'm not i'm as that was the first game we've like really fully washed and sat down for, uh, it really felt like the power play is like a crucial aspect. And so those penalties, um, those penalties that came Soccer from... Soccer fans are laughing so hard at us right now. <laughs> no shit. The power play is a big deal. Yep. But it really felt like those penalties were kind of like big very, mistakes. Very costly. Very um, costly. And they scored... They scored their first, both, both goals. Their first two goals. The, yeah. the third one, the third one. was an empty goal, but the first two goals were on power plays. That's right. 
Yeah. And so, and I think even our first goal was on a power play too. Once what I was what I was listening to, I, I showed up a little late, but I also showed um, up a little late. But yeah, so obviously what we got to do is, and again, first game that we've watched, obviously things can be different between games, but put us in my coach. immediate we know we my, know what this team needs. My immediate correction is, don't foul. It's like in football, you know. Don't foul. <laughs> Penalties will be the the, the bane of your existence. Guys, we've been watching hockey for about. Eight hours. <laughs> and we can tell you the most important things you can do are not foul and score more goals. Okay? For a mere $1,000 an hour, we can consult your professional sports team on how you, too, can rise through the rankings. And boy, do we have some doozies. <laughs> we have a six-hour seminar scheduled with Kyrie Irving next week. <laughs> it's going to be the most in-depth work we've ever done. We're going to <laughs> Dallas to help him out. Yes. We asked him to fly out here. <laughs> he doesn't do planes. <laughs> Anyways, um, I believe that will end the first segment of our show. We're going to do something we didn't do last week and take just a little bit of a break, reset ourselves, come into this in a minute or two. What a novel idea. That's smart of you to... Pause it. Pause the so then you don't have to cut out all this extra bullshit that you're trying there. to create. Like right right <laughs> so, uh, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Did you miss us? We missed you. Um. So real quick, we just wanted to touch on what's going on with the Mariners news. Uh, not a ton on the Mariners front. They pitchers and catchers will report to spring training relatively soon. As we record this, it's February 9th. Um, and I believe they report in mid-February, mid to late February. So, pretty soon. Who um, knows what they're doing right now? Interviewing. They're partying. doing a lot of promo. Uh, it's like all the video. I watched. I watched a video on the Mariners today that was just like Teoscar Hernandez and Cal Raleigh playing that like put whipped cream on a hand, and it just like you you spin a crank, and it just oh, smacks right. you in the face at some <laughs> oh point. Oh my god! That I watched a seven minute video on that today. Those guys are making millions of dollars. Why are they doing this? <laughs> because you get. Dweebs like me watching their videos, and then the Mariners can make money. The MLB does love dweebs. Yep. Um, but in actual Mariners news, the and it's not even really big Mariners news, the Mariners signed Leonis Martin, an old Mariner from I believe like kind of the 2016 to 2018 range. Um, and obviously, I could very well be wrong on that. That's just kind of the vibe that I'm getting. I didn't do any research on that. The vibe? <laughs> You're guessing his tenure by the vibe? Yeah. I And you know what? What's shocking is I have complete faith in you. <laughs> I, put, I put money on it that you nailed it. Help me out. What a position does Leonis Martin play? He was a center fielder. He was actually playing for the last few years. In, he's been playing since 2019 in Japan. Um, but he's, he's a center fielder. He was. I don't know. He probably plays right field at this point. Um, but he's there was there was one moment that every every Mariners fan remembers that was like a walk off two run home run that Leonis Martin hit that was just absolutely nuked. Um, what year was that? I was probably two thousand four. Nineteen seventy three, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we signed him to a minor league deal, so he's going to report. Um, 
wow, that is not big news. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the biggest news that we've got for the Mariners is an old player signed to a minor league deal and got a non-roster invite to spring training. My man, Leonis, welcome back to Seattle. Yeah, Great we're, to have we're excited to have you come back. You may just be signing autographs and dipping, but it's going to be fun to have you around for a little bit. Yeah, just be sure to sign my stuff before you go. You know? <laughs> so we can make money like those kids who sold Kobe Bryant's jersey for $5.8 million. Goodness gracious. I, please, if there are any forgers out there, please reach out to me. I'll provide the jerseys. You provide the fake signatures. I, we can make we, sweet, sweet yeah, music. What are we doing right now recording this podcast? The real <laughs> money is in jersey sales. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was a great, great win by none other than the University of Washington women's basketball team. Oh, oh, go dogs. <laughs> the, uh, the women's basketball team beat the number two team in the nation, Stanford, um, and they were led by their, their bench player, one of their bench players who I think was their like sixth man, um, and I think she had like 20, 21 points, 23 points or something like that. Sixth woman, Tyler, come on. Oh, I'm sorry. Sixth woman of the year is going to be going to be her in the Pac-12. Um, <laughs> you said she had 23 in the game? Yeah, 23. Out of the team's, like, 72 points. Wow. She was cooking off the bench, which was uh, good was, to see. Was it a close game? Yeah. Yeah, they won by, like, two or three. Wow, that's great. Um, so just a really good quality win to get the program kind of rallied again. Are they ranked? No. Wow, they will be next week, I'll tell you what. I don't know. I mean, that was their only big win, and it was big, and the only reason they did it was because their bench player scored 23 points. So, <laughs> But at the same time, we were just talking about today how – women's college basketball is so top-heavy, and it feels like it's been that way for a couple decades now. So I feel like any time somebody gets a lick in on one of the top teams, you know, it's 25 top 25 teams. We can't we can't sneak you dub up to 24 for beating Stanford? Come on now. That's that's true. We did, yeah, we were talking about that and how, like, UConn, I think you said one, over a 13-year stretch, won, like, 10 of... Ten of the NCAA tournaments for Some, women, something like that. And I, I know for a fact that like the very famous hundred and some game winning streak, which is gross. Yeah, That's Women, too many wins. Yeah, women's basketball. We we discussed this is a lot like uh, college football. Yeah, an interestingly apt comparison of just you get these teams like Alabama's kind of like UConn, where they're so dominant and they're kind of take some of the competitiveness out of the league because they're so dominant that every great player wants to go there. Especially, you know, these are young players. They're not committing to their career there. They're going there to learn and get better and give themselves the best chance to be a pro. Totally understandable. And then you have, you know, South Carolina is the Georgia, I guess, in this comparison. This team that comes kind in and says... Taking the mantle, too. Sure, yeah. and says, yeah, we can, we can hang. Not that that other team's a scrub now, but now it's us, but... You know, it's two or three teams. It's Stanford, it's South Carolina, Notre Dame's been really good. It's not not a super deep thing, much like college football. Yeah. I think the interesting thing about that is, and it's, it's in a way they're similar, you get these teams that are dominant for so long that people almost, like, join teams to beat them. You know, like, I don't know. I feel like UConn kind of fell off at the same time South Carolina was rising, and I feel like that was like a big trade, and it's kind of similar to the Alabama-Georgia situation, which is just an interesting idea, and we're getting a little in the weeds about women's basketball at the moment, but 
just something to think about with the future of college football and everything as well. That is very interesting. And and in both, is there a way out? Once you once you have that dynamic built, I feel like it's the road back to parity is a tough one. Yeah. Which is would be unfortunate in both sports. Like I'm I'm not a huge college football fan and a big part of it is I feel like I know who's gonna be in it every year. You also don't have a college football team. Okay, go <laughs> go to hell. <laughs> Gonzaga hasn't lost a college football game since 1882, so take that, UW. You're right. You're right. UW has at least 400 losses. Yeah, so <laughs> many losses. So many. UConn thinks it's so cool with its 100-game win streak. Try a 200-year win streak. Um, but yeah, good for the Huskies. Great win. Congratulations. Good Love to program. see Northern California teams lose. Stanford, South California. Maybe I'm, no, 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 no Stanford's in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. Um, Palo Alto. Oh, I'm sorry. I visited there last summer. <laughs> the lower middle class call it San Francisco. <laughs> um, did you want to touch on any any more college basketball? Oh, <laughs> Specifically oh. Ben, ben Gregg. <clears throat> oh, the Gregg is <laughs> in full effect. The Gonzaga Bulldogs have had an up and down couple of weeks. Um Following the upset loss to LMU, which was very tough, had God. a couple. Had a couple. I know you want to skip over that. I'm just going to mention the fact that LMU is on a rampage right now. Well, yeah, that's that's going to come back into play. It makes that loss a lot more bearable. Yeah. But then, a couple days ago, we lost to St. Mary's in what is you know our kind of biggest rivalry in conference. That was tough, close game, but yeah, the team. Team's been very up and down. It's been coming through in big moments, and then it's been not coming through in big moments. Um, but tonight was kind of a good news double whammy. We spanked San Francisco in a really good win. Um, Timmy was solid. Um, Salas was really good. And Ben Gregg was making a believer out of Tyler Cartwright. He was sure. <laughs> Don't you love You're going to have to edit that out again. <laughs> Tyler, I didn't edit it out of the last. Did you listen to the last <laughs> No, that's right. Yeah, we listened to it. Um, but he was making a believer out of you. He was out there hitting threes left and right. Um, and it's very exciting. I love Ben Gregg. We were talking today, too, about this is kind of a hot take. I love Drew Timmy. I love him very much. And respect him as a player. I've really enjoyed watching him over these last couple of years. Fired off, John. I'm, I'm kind of ready for him to go. You know, I'm not going to rush him out the door, but I'm just excited for what's next and for a front court that isn't dominated by a really efficient but, you know, ball hoggy player <laughs> that also cannot play a lick of defense. What I'm hearing is you're propping the door open with a doorstop and just kind of letting the, the cold yes, air wash in. Yes, it's beautiful outside. <laughs> Get out there. The, the islands of Greece are calling to you. <laughs> Go play with Karnowski and some of your other boys. Um, and I'm just excited that the you know the thought of an Anton Watson Ben Gregg front court is probably not better than the front court <laughs> we have now. But damn it, it will be funner. So I'm the, in on the Gregasons. I I will say the freedom of play that they could get from a, a big that could shoot threes is huge. Yes. Um, watching them today, they're they're efficient on offense, but they're super deficient in defense. Um, when Timmy's on the court. When Timmy's on the court, yeah. Um, if we can put out Hickman, Salas, a three-guard, Anton, and Greg, that is a mean defensive lineup. Yeah. 
Yeah. I uh, I just think Drew Timmy's like, like he's great offensively. And the, the way that his offensive style is run, it's kind of, this is, again, really in the weeds about basketball and how it's played, but he runs basically through the key and to the top of the three-point line, and so he takes up that, like, middle rectangle of the floor. Correct. And so I feel like you need, like, the way that they run their offense is interesting in terms of their spacing because they, they have just two guys on the on the wings that play off of Timmy and sometimes cross over, but that's kind of about it unless he's out at the top of the top of the key. Yeah, and the, what's really a problem, it's not, it's not a him problem, but it's a system problem, is that when he gets the ball inside, he is such an efficient scorer. The guy is shooting over 60% from the field on the year that we just feed it into him and then just kind of step back and let him work, which, guess what? It works. He scores a lot, but it means our offense is stagnant. It means when he gets doubled and passes out of the post, the guys don't know what to do with the ball. They're not expecting it back. And I do think, through no fault of his own, Drew Timmy's presence on the court makes our other players less effective on offense because we're counting on him to be bailing us out. I think we would see some of these guys, particularly some of these young guys, show some upside they haven't necessarily shown if we took the security blanket that is through Timmy's post game out. Now, when you take a security blanket out, there yeah, are going to be times the, where you fall and hit your head. To, yeah. yeah, there will be more losses to LMU before this is all over. But it may be what's at least most fun for the team going forward. We'll see. Yeah. Obviously, Timmy will be here the rest of the year. I'm excited for it, but next year. The other thing to think about, and we were talking about, how much has Drew Timmy improved over the last... Is he a sophomore senior now? Yeah, I think he's yeah. a fifth-year senior. Like, he's done. Yeah, I think he's got to yeah. go. Um, we're talking about how much he's improved over his career, and I think one of the things is, like, he hasn't had to improve because of the competition that he's playing against. But I wonder, if you were talking about him getting, like, double-teamed and whatnot, because teams aren't really doing that... Right now, I wonder if they're either going to do that or they're just going to rely, especially in the in March Madness in that tournament. Um, they're either going to rely on like a big man to uh, to shut him down, or if they double him, has he developed that skill to like pass it out in a good, efficient way to pass it to the right person at the right time? He's a decent passer. I just think when the ball gets there, they don't necessarily know what to do with it in that moment. But and you're also right; we've seen it, and he can be exploited on the other end of the ball. So I do not, I'm not telling you to liquidate your assets and bet on us winning March Madness. That's for sure. All right. There was, that was a good little like 15 minute chunk on college basketball. A little college sports for you. There we go. Listen, guys and gals, there's not much else to talk about in the sports world besides the huge NBA drafts or not draft. Why did I say that? NBA trade deadline. Yes, and some really big Supersonics news. I we don't talk a lot about the Supersonics here. Um, I know there are a lot. We of, will. We yeah, will. There are a lot of Supersonics fans around Seattle. They're saying, "Guys, you say you're about all the major Seattle sports, and yet you don't talk a lot about the Supersonics." And we know we're still trying to get into hockey, and we're struggling dealing with a team that doesn't exist yet. Those two things are really holding us from reaching our potential. But today, we finally have a segment we can do on the Sonics. One of the greatest Supersonics ever just got dealt at the trade deadline. <laughs> Kevin Durant, welcome to the Phoenix Suns. 
a long time, a player certainly known for his years in the in the green and gold. Yeah. Um, has meandered across the NBA landscape from Seattle to Oklahoma City to Golden State to Brooklyn and now to the Valley of the Sun. He didn't take his talents to South Beach. He Otherwise, he would have been everywhere. Take his talents <laughs> to South Beach. Thank God. Thank God for that. Um, really big deal for the Suns. Um, don't get mad at me, viewers. We don't have a Supersonics team, and I was born in Arizona. Your boy's a Suns fan. Um, and I am very excited. We gave up a lot. We gave up Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, three starter caliber small forwards. Uh, got a really soft spot in my heart for Mikhail Bridges. That guy is a baller, and I'm going to miss him a lot. Um, and we gave up four first-round picks. Well, we got Kevin Durant, and you know, I'm really, I don't, I'm going to miss them spiritually and emotionally, but I'm not going to miss them on the court because while our depth is even less than it was before, the Suns are now fe- featuring Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Torrey Craig, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton as our starting lineup. That starting lineup is nasty and more defensively and versatile than you just said. That's right. I forgot we got TJ. TJ yeah. is good. He's really good. He kind of like like redeveloped himself, re, re, renewed himself. Totally. He was good in Indiana. He's good in Brooklyn. He's had injury issues. Yep. And he's never been a great defender. Or Warren. His Warren. Warren. TJ Warren. But he has always been a plug and play scorer. He was a Phoenix Sun. Did was you know it that? Before him? Yeah. He got, a long time back? Yeah. He got traded from the Suns. Or maybe it was a, maybe they let him go. But he went from the Suns to the Pacers. From the Pacers to Brooklyn, and now is making a return. Him and Booker shared many years on the court. I love T.J. Warren, and I'm I'm excited to have him back. That was a, a very good point. That was not a small little addition, especially on a team that needs depth. Yeah. Now, when uh, when we lived together in State, I I made that two K my player, mm. and I made I got drafted by the Pacers, and T.J. Warren. And like Victor Oladipo and like yeah. Sabonis were all on that team. <laughs> oh, I was yeah. like, this was kind of loaded. And yeah. I just like played point guard for them. It was great. Sabonis, Sabonis. <laughs> if the Suns get Sabonis next, I'd be very excited. Just rebuild the like 2017 Indiana Pacers. Just give me the Zags plus Kevin Durant and Devin Booker <laughs> on the Phoenix Suns, and I'll be happy. Um, other big trade deadline moves. Obviously, yeah, that was a big one. We'll see. Suns are now the favorite in the West to win the championship. Um, pretty crazy going from where they were. People had people had kind of given up on the Suns. They thought their window would close. So say what you will, new owner came in, Matt Ishbia, and uh, making some big moves early. Were there any other trade deadline moves that really stood out to you, Tyler? I mean, the Kyrie Irving move to Dallas was big. <laughs> that's right. Um, I forgot Kyrie got traded. Yeah, that was just like, oh, that's where he ne- where he needs to be. Yeah. Um, anywhere but Brooklyn because anywhere he is is kind of where he should be. Anywhere he is is where he should not be. <laughs> should not be, He yes. should always be moving. <laughs> Despite that joke about him not flying, the guy should be on a plane at all times. <laughs> Just his personality always 10 feet behind him in the jet in the jet, uh, jet lag. Um, yeah, he had a great game for Dallas on his first day there. Really good game. Um, another thing that happened in the NBA, which we haven't talked about yet, but hey... We've, we talk a lot of shit about LeBron James. Congratulations to the dude. Good for LeBron. Number one scorer all time in the NBA. He's at, if you include playoff scoring, he's at 45,000 career points. Jeez Louise. Which he is, has 7,000 playoff points? Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. He's insane. 
Uh, congrats, relations to the man. Really, okay. not much else to say about it, but he's. I'm he's putting you on the spot here, things. Tyler. I'm putting you on the spot. What's your most, off the top of your head, the most impressive statistic of LeBron's career? You could say forty-five thousand points if you wanted to. I've got one in mind that I think is the most impressive statistic. I don't actually know the st- the the actual statistic, but the like minutes played that he has is so crazy compared to anybody else. Yes. When you when you take into account playoff minutes, because he basically plays every single game, the entire game in the playoffs. Yeah, he's a monster. He has the most minutes played by like five thousand minutes or something like that in the mm-hmm. NBA, and he's got two or three more years ahead of him. Like he's the the wear and tear on his body and the fact that he hasn't broken down where he's at right now is insane to me. I I think that's a great one, and mine kind of plays into that as well. But I think the most underrated aspect of his career particularly because people love to wave rings at his face like oh you only have four NBA championships god what a scrub can you believe that playing against the highest level of competition in the history of the NBA can you believe when Kobe Bryant was beating up on whatever he was beating Tracy McGrady (laughs) (coughs) Tracy McGrady and the the uh, skeleton of that Houston Rockets team that LeBron couldn't beat a team that you know, 173 games. Oh, wait, actually, he beat that one, but not the other ones. But <laughs> I think the most impressive LeBron statistic is the fact that he made it to eight straight NBA finals during that run from 2011 with the Heat to 2018 with the Cavs. He made eight straight NBA finals. That means he won the Eastern Conference eight straight years. Say what you will about Jordan, man. The guy won... Three and then quit for two years, came back and won three and then didn't win again. The most finals he ever went to in a row was three. And to be fair to MJ, he won six in eight years. But that level of, you know, longevity and like performance within the longevity to make it to eight straight NBA finals, I just think that's pretty unreal. The other thing is, God, and we're going to sound like. We don't even like LeBron that yeah, much. Yeah, we don't even really, <laughs> really like LeBron. <laughs> I'm more of a Steph guy, personally. I don't, yeah. But, <laughs> I just... We're just like, tired of the bullshit, the, the level of competition has changed so much, and everybody's going to talk about, like, the physicality of Jordan's era and whatever, but... Oh, look at those seen... Utah Jazz teams. Look at look at how many 6'5 white guys were on those <laughs> Utah Jazz teams. Look me in the eye and tell me about that level of competition. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I just, yeah, I don't want to hear any more about how the Jordan era, like the 90s was, 90s or 80s was tougher. You know, you grew up then, have that opinion. Yeah. We lived in the now, Yeah. in the in the 2010s and 2000s. This is the best era of basketball in terms of level of skill Absolutely. to ever be played in the NBA, and it's not even close. And also, I'm just so sick of toughness. Like, toughness is what the referees allow. Like, the idea that the guys today couldn't do it, it's like... No, they just don't want to get kicked out of every single freaking game. They were allowed to do it back then. This is one thing that's very interesting, too. I think this is an important conversation when we're, if you want to bring in stuff like toughness. Oh, people were so much more physical back then. Oh, Michael Jordan was such a great defender. You were allowed to hand check. Do you realize how much easier hand checking makes defense? Now, take LeBron James, a six foot nine. Hulk of a man 
who has had to play his entire career with his hands tied behind his back. Put him in 1989 and say, LeBron, bring those hands forward. Take all those defensive fundamentals, all those chase down blocks, your speed and your strength, and also you're allowed to just push people around. The guy would have averaged 12 steals a game. (laughs) What the what the hell are we talking about? People act like that's not Dude. a thing. Defense was easier back then. Clay Thompson is a great defensive player now. He would have been better at defense back in the eighties. Dude, and I saw I saw a stat that was like Chris Paul is like third or something right now on the all time steals list. Yes, LeBron is like eight. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if he had played. Michael Jordan was like five. Yeah. Imagine if he had played in that era where he could hand check and just grab somebody's hand and remove it from the ball. Yeah, LeBron's also like. Fifth or sixth in assists, which is freaking insane. Put some put Listen, some respect on him. Michael Jordan may will still stay the greatest of all time because the, the the world won't let it happen. Won't let it change. But LeBron James is the best basketball player to ever play the game. That's a that's a good way of phrasing it. He's the best basketball player to ever play, and he's also he's had the best career of anybody. Kareem is really the only other argument. Yeah, and certainly not Michael Jordan. He's not even close. You could maybe say like a Bill Russell just because of the number of championships. Sure. But, but statistically. Statistically, yeah. I guess maybe. Their had, individual if, career. If we would have been tracking blocks back then, he would have had more of an argument. He was honestly averaging just like nine and a half blocks a game. But it's it's LeBron. And player, you're right. If it's if you're asking me if it's five LeBron Jameses against five Michael Jordans, five LeBron Jameses are significantly better in my opinion. I think we're in agreement on that. If you're asking if I could have one player for one game in their prime, there's a very real argument for MJ. I'd probably take MJ. But I... You wouldn't take Steph, personally? <laughs> Steph would light them all up. Steph would... I, it would kill MJ to watch Steph light them up, you know? <laughs> He'd be so confused, you know? You'd just be wondering where the rain was coming, you know? <laughs> yeah, where's, where's, where's all this moisture coming from, like... Why is the court so wet? It can't be... Who's the ball boy in the jersey? <laughs> that or he would kill Stephen Curry. I don't want to see either of those things happen. No. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. That's just... I think that was an argument... Not an argument. We were both in agreement. A talk that needed to be had and shared to the world. Whether eight people listen to this podcast or yeah. 10,000. And regardless of them, what we are doing is we are expressing... Quite literally, the voice of our generation. Yep. We all agree on this. You 40 and 50-year-olds, you can have Michael. We're not going to try to take him from you. He can be yours. But just so we're clear, he's not ours. LeBron is ours. Yeah. And we believe that. And I think whether or not he gets another ring, I think all the statistical things that he's done, especially at his age, fucking hell, man. The guy's 38 putting up a 27 in like 8 and 9 season or it's something. unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, LeBron is ours. And he, I don't even like him, but he's, <laughs> we're stuck with him. Yeah, I, I'm, I will say, I'm excited. This, the Sonics are going to come back. We've, we've said this. They're going to come back in two to, two to five years, anywhere in that span. When they get back... Between one and 17 years, yeah, for sure. <laughs> somewhere in there. And in that time, there will be a player that I just fully adopt as the greatest player of all time in the Sonics. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. That's that's I'm optimistic. That's the case. Maybe maybe they'll sign for Devin Booker. <laughs> just so you guys know, John just sat there and smiled to himself, looking in the distance. I was I was imagining <laughs> the ghost of Christmas future came to me with only good news. 
All right. Um, I think there's not too much more trade deadline to talk. You've, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably either don't care much about the NBA trade deadline because yeah, we're a very small podcast, or you're, you've already listened to everything that you could listen to about the NBA trade deadline. We're not, we're not going to bore you anymore. We hit the, we hit the big notes. Um, Liquidate your assets. Bet on the Suns to win the championship. After, hey. after you win all that money from Philadelphia winning the Super Bowl, double down and put it on the Suns to win the championship. No, 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 no. Triple down. Put it on the Suns, but then triple down. Put it on the Mariners to win the World Series this oh, year. Hell yeah. Close the book. Now That's the end of the podcast. We're here to get your kids <laughs> through college. I think you would get more than that if you bet your entire house on, on the Eagles. And well, the yeah, well, we'll something left. Just don't forget your don't forget your podcast podcast hosts when it. When it all comes That's through. true. Yeah, we we need to get paid for your winnings. Unless you lose your kids' college money, then please forget <laughs> about us as soon as possible. Anyways, hey, thank you very much for listening. Follow our podcast. It's Sound Up Seattle on Spotify, uh, as well as feel free to follow our. Uh, I believe we have a Twitter at Sound Up Seattle and a TikTok at Sound Up Seattle, which we have not really done much for. But uh, yeah, if you want to have a discussion about what we've talked about today, those are where to find us. Um, this will probably come out on the Friday, the, the next day after we record this, because it's late and I'm tired. So great. Tyler's a very hard worker. What can I say? Uh, well, thanks, everybody. Have, thanks a, everybody. have a great weekend. Go Squids. Go Squids, baby. <laughs>